everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 160. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, and maybe even during a pandemic, what better way to end your day with a nice, cold, frothy, ice cold, ice cold Labatt Blue? It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, and we do ask that you drink our premium Canadian beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in our guest for a very, this is an epic, episode 160. It doesn't get much better than this as far as episodes and as guests. It's Dennis Chalowski of the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. Number one draft pick, 20th overall in the 2016 draft, has appeared in 88 games already as a Red Wings and now is perfecting his craft with the Griffins. Let's bring Dennis in. Dennis, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, I'm always psyched up to talk to you, as you know. And uh, so, But I'm going to try to calm myself down. I don't want to <laughs> start talking about Rachmaninoff and some of our favorite composers and before you know it, but we're definitely going to talk about what I call tennis shoes and you call sneakers. We've got to get into that, that uh, uh, <laughs> kick, kicking with Dennis or whatever that thing was. I just watched it on Instagram. Unbelievable. I did not know that tennis shoes were that big of a business. I guess I should have known, but we'll save that <laughs> for, for, for a little bit later. Uh, but um, let's talk about so far you're with the Gr Griffins. The Griffins have, uh, I, I believe they lost the first couple of games of the season in Chicago and then they, uh, uh, they, they've won a couple of games now. You have been integral in five games played. Uh, you have uh, uh, five uh, uh, five points. Uh, you're uh, fifth in scoring among defensemen in the AHL. You score the game-winning goal in the home opener against the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, things seem to be going well for you in Grand Rapids. How would you assess the season thus far, even though it's very early? Yeah, it's going well. Um, obviously, we know each other really well down here we all get along great and yeah we're just having fun and played a few games now and looking looking forward to playing more now now i know you guys get along great were you were you part of that uh, post malone thing last year or were or, or not yes they... i was there i was at the concert yep <laughs> now it, it, trust me was rasmussen really like smiling and getting into it yeah no everybody was into it that's that was post malone that was really cool for sure I mean, I guess team bonding is important. Somehow, you know, because I think Michael's like the most serious 21-year-old on the planet. I, I just can't see him. I know he likes Post Malone. I mean, he constantly tells me. So So this was a good bonding thing for you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Rass is a really funny guy behind the scenes, for sure. Oh. Not a lot of people see it, but he's he's one of the funnier guys. No, I, I well, I, I actually have seen it a few times myself, but uh, uh, but but boy, is he 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 is definitely has that serious side to him. Uh, now, Dennis, you're a very cultured young man, and I, I know I'm going off topic from from date from the moment this thing started, but uh, I mean, are you a post Malone fan, or are you just kind of humoring the guys, and you're like, wow, this guy's like, well, I guess he's okay, but. You know, give, you know, give give me Mozart any day of the week. I mean, <laughs> no, Mozart is my dad and brother. That's their forte. No, um, yeah, I'm a I'm a Post Malone fan. I I like his music. Um, I really like everything. It just depends on what kind of mood I'm in, to be honest. Well, you're a Renaissance man, then, right? Very. Uh... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I know your dad will like me calling you that. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah, he'll approve of that one. <laughs> Dennis, the Renaissance man. Um, let, <laughs> let's get to, to to hockey right now. Look, I'm I'm going to be honest with everybody. I've known Dennis a long time. I've always enjoyed his company. I enjoy his family's company. So I'm just going to kind of calm myself down and get a little bit serious here. But if I do veer off, it's just because Dennis is a great kid and uh I, I really enjoy as i said talking to him um with that said um this has been a kind of a weird red wings career for you i remember a couple of development camps i teased you about growing a, a playoff beard during like the prospects tournament or something and uh uh but you kind of came out of nowhere i mean you were number one pick everybody had high hopes for you and made the team you were like the talk of camp and since that time I guess it's maybe it's just a natural. It's kind of been up and down for you. How would you characterize what it's been like the last couple of years uh, in the Detroit organization? Yeah, it's been up and down. Um, 
yeah, that's the best way to describe it, really. I mean, I've gone through it all. I've seen everything. I'm, I've, you know, been up. I've been down. I've been every which way. So, um, yeah, no, this year I've just come into it with a good mindset and um, just go out and play my best. That's really the, you know, the main goal every night. And what else can you control? What else can you control, really? I mean, just go out and, and play my game and, and be myself is all I can do and kind of push everything else to the side. Well, what kind of contact, I, I mean, is is it Ben that's constantly uh, uh, talking to you, Ben Simon, the head coach? Do you interact a lot with Horkoff or Danny Cleary or, 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 or the development guys? What has your relationship been like with, for lack of a better term, the front office? It's been good. I, I talk a lot with uh, the GR coaches, Ben Simon, um, Matt McDonald. Um, I talk a lot with Brandon Narado and the player development guys. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm talking to them constantly and, you know, watching video and you know, working on the things that I need to be working on. So yeah, I have a lot of good contact with uh, a lot of the guys, of the organization, you know, I, I learned very, very early on when I started covering, uh, uh, hockey players that what goes on in the room stays on the room and I definitely, or stays in the room. And I, I truly do respect that. But with that said, what, what are they telling you? What do you need to work on? Why do you think that you're in Grand Rapids at this point? Um, just refining the, the D side of the puck and just uh, being more aggressive in the D zone, whether that be ending plays or boxing guys out in front of the net um, and just being more physical in general. Um, you know, I'm a lot bigger through the quarantine. I've gotten a lot bigger, a lot stronger. So, um yeah, I have I have a good mindset going into the season, and and if I can you know continue to do those things, then um, yeah, hopefully everything works out. Well, you know, I've gotten bigger during the quarantine too, but it's not stronger, just bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I I sort of can relate with that, Dennis. Um, well, this is my assessment of you. You're an offensive defenseman. You're a risk taker, I think, but. I would imagine, and, and maybe the Red Wings want you to calm down uh, a little bit on taking risk and being a little more defensive-minded, yet your game is offensive. You know, you're, you can run a power play at any level. Um, if you calm the offensive side or that risk-taking side down, couldn't that affect your game in a negative way, or am I completely wrong? Yeah, no, for sure. I think offense is one of the biggest parts of my game. I, I, you know, I would never want to lose any of my offense. I think that's, you know, that that's what makes me who I am at the end of the day. So um, I think it's just a balance that I have to find. And um, through the first five games, I think I'm doing a good job of it and just have to, you know, keep refining my game that way. And, you know, I have to be offensive and be up in the play and take risks, but I have to be responsible at the same time. So it's just kind of a balance. Well, it, that balance, how difficult is it for you? Because I would think if you're playing your game, and I think when any player, regardless of what professional sport he plays, when they're playing their game, and I hate this this thing in the zone, but you're instinctual. Your instinct is to be, shall I say it, a bit of a risk taker, right? Yeah, for sure. I've got, I've got offensive instincts, and I want to be up in the play and, and creating offense. You know, offense comes from from the back end as well and, and threatening the other team, you know, with that fourth man in or fifth man in or whatever the case may be. So I think offense, yeah, is, is a big part of my game and risk taking is so I can't lose that part of my game. Well, well you, I know you don't want to lose it. Are, are, are they are, are they telling you it's not so much losing it? It's and I think you kind of alluded to this, just rounding out the defensive side of your game. You can do both and not lose offense. I mean, is that where they want the growth in your game to be? Yeah, for sure. Just rounding out the defensive side, um, making sure I win my battles, making sure I'm battling hard. And yeah, just being responsible and, and earning that trust for them to be able to put me out in any situation. Well, when I look at it, you've already played 88 games for the Red Wings. You have a total of... Uh, of, uh, I, I believe it's like 15, 16 points. Uh, uh, you, you're averaging almost 19 minutes when you're up in Detroit. But the thing that really stands out, also two game-winning goals, uh, you have 14 points on the power play, including uh, including five goals. What is the key to be such a 
excellent power play specialist and quarterback of the power play unit? Uh, I think just the, the unit of five has to be on the same page and everybody has to know what they're doing and move the puck quick and, and work together, I think is the biggest thing. You know, whether it be retrieving a puck off of a off of a shot or you know in the offensive zone just moving it around quickly and, and and finding the right shot on that I think it's just a unit of five working together and um, making sure you get to the get the puck to the net at the end of the day is the biggest thing now when you're quarterbacking it do you sometimes and I know everything comes on fast on you but you know you're standing there you're you're by the blue line or at the center of the blue line right you know kind of overseeing trying to play the point are you looking at this and and thinking to yourself shoot first try to get it on net and maybe go for a rebound or are you thinking of dishing this puck off to the uh uh uh, to 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 the wingers i mean or or is there more of a set play because unfortunately where the red wings are at right now it just looks like a, a, a mad scramble out there yeah it really depends um obviously if we have a guy in front of the goalie and i have a clear lane to shoot the puck on the net, then most, most often times I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it. But you know, if somebody's in my lane and one of the flanks are open, then I'll dish it to one of the flanks. Um, really at the end of the day, it's just finding an open lane to shoot and having guys at the net front, I think is generally the easiest way to score on a power play. So um, whether that be me or one of the flanks, you know, I think that's the end goal. Now is your job basically to get the puck up front, whether it be to one of the flanks or or or, or, or the center, and have you know to break the play to, 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 because Jeff has talked about breakouts, how important they are, especially on the power play, so you can get in there and set up. Is your job pretty much to distribute the puck? Hopefully, they're able to set up in the zone, and then they get it back to you, and then you kind of direct everything that's going as they play whatever position they, they are on the on the power play. Uh, I know I'm getting a little bit technical here in layman's terms for sure, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? I mean, you're not responsible for bringing it into the attacking zone and setting up. You more get it to those guys, let them go in, set it up, get it back to you, and then you direct everything. Yeah, honestly, that's another one that really depends. You know, if they give me room to skate, then if I can skate it in the zone and, and you know, kick it out or carry it in, then I'm going to do that. But um, generally, they force the puck out of your hands, and then that's when you have to use the other guys, and whether it be a delay option or you're all coming up the ice together with speed. Um, it's just It's just a read on my part to be able to make the right play. Well, you know, I would imagine, especially on a penalty kill, they want to be aggressive with the guy that has the puck. But I would imagine that you have to be a mark man because they know you're the point guy. You're you are the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, most penalty kills nowadays generally try to, to pressure the puck hard. So um, again, that comes in with the unit of five working together and, and just moving the puck quickly is the biggest thing. Well, now, how is it? You know, you played obviously, as I said, you've played in the NHL. You're, you you've played now in the in the AHL. Is there a difference between the leagues, and uh, what is that difference? Um, honestly, they're, they're similar leagues. I mean, lots of guys in the AHL have played in the NHL and, um, you know, have that experience as well. But I would say the biggest thing is just the the talent level in the NHL is, is probably the biggest difference. The high end talent guys are just so skilled and, and, and so fast up there nowadays that, um, you know, if you have that ability, that skating ability and that talent, then you're going to be in the in the NHL. Sorry. Um, so I would say, yeah, just the the high end talent and, and and skill is the biggest difference, in my opinion. Well, you know, so that would be less time, less space to, to do things. Is is that essentially what what the difference is? Yeah, less time, less space. Um, and then, you know, against the top guys in the league. Um, or anybody in the NHL, you know, you give them a little bit of time or space and they're going to make a play around you. So, um, yeah, and you, you don't have much time to make a play and then, you know, you have to be sharp defensively and make sure that you're you're right on guys and playing close to them and don't give them time and space. When you, when you look at it now in Grand Rapids, as I said, the, you know, the uh, uh, you're playing a 30-game schedule uh, this year. Um I, I know that you, just getting out on the ice and there was a lot of doubt whether the AHL would even get going this year. 
a 30-game schedule, I would imagine every game you play must seem, you know, they always say four-point games, and you're only playing divisional games. I think I think you play Chicago like 10 times this year, um, that they're not four-point games. They're almost like eight-point games. I mean, how much, uh, uh, in, in a compacted schedule like this, how much pressure is there to, for you to win? Not that there isn't always, but, I mean, every game must be like a playoff game. Yeah, for sure, with so few games, you know, you go on a three, four, five game losing streak and you're away on the out. So you have to, you know, be focused every game when the game comes. There's not many of them. So you have to stay focused in practice and, and stay dialed in for the for the games on the weekend, because when they come, they come fast. And and you have to make sure that you're ready to win those games. Is, is, is it good in a way, not that you, I know you want to play a full, a full schedule, obviously, and I know you want to be up in Detroit, uh, but to, to give you time to hone your craft, there, there must be more practice time than you're used to right now. Yeah, it reminds me of college. I played one year of college hockey, so, um, you know, practice during the week, Monday through Thursday, and then play Friday, Saturday, or, you know, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Sunday, whatever the case may be, so kind of reminds me of college a little bit in that way. And um, yeah, you know, practicing every day and, and refining the skills is good too. But um, obviously, you know, you want to play in games and you want to play lots of games. So, you know, we don't have many this year, so we have to cherish them when they come. Right. At this point, uh, you know, like I said, I know you played for St. Cloud State uh, and then you went back to the, uh, the WHL, uh, Prince George in Portland. Uh, and, when when you look at that experience, the whole college junior experience, I know it. Do, how much can it really prepare you for professional life? I, I I mean, like everything, like you know, being on your own. I mean, you're growing up, obviously, but even the style and quality of play. I mean, isn't it more if your ta- talent is the one that really rises? It's not so much maybe all the practice time and system that you have in junior or in college, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think um, they're both different in their, you know, they're they're both good in their own way, I guess I should say. You know, college, you have more time to practice and work out. And then, you know, the WHL tries to be as close to the NHL as it can as far as the schedule goes. And, and you know, they play a ton of games there. So, um, you know, you're basically playing every second day. So they're, they're good in their own ways. And, um Obviously, the NHL and, and pro hockey is a totally different animal once you get up there. I mean, the guys have totally refined their skills, and they're the best players in the world. So nothing can really totally prepare you for that until you actually start playing there. But, um, yeah, I think both routes are, are good in their own way and, and you know, do their best that they can to get you ready for that. You know, it, it, when you when you get, when you make the Red Wings, and it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, everyone knew that eventually you would make the Red Wings, but uh, you you were the surprise. You were the talk not only of development camp or or the prospects tournament, but actually of training camp as well. Uh, was that because you know is that again more of a mindset for you? I mean, you came in, you knew what you had to do, and you just went out there and did it, and you just played. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I know I had that mindset my first year when I made it, and my mindset's kind of back to that now. It's just um, go out and, you know, I know what they're telling me and I know what I have to do and just go out and do it is the biggest thing. And, you know, you can't worry about, you know, what so-and-so is saying about you or really what anybody's saying. Just worry about your, you know, the way you're playing and, and try to help the team win and go out and do the best you can. That's really all you can control. Well, you know, I, I, let me ask you, is, is it, it, were you thinking too much out there or did you let outside influences kind of affect your game? You say, you know, you're back now to the mindset that you were when you first made the Red Wings. I mean, what, what happened in between, I guess? Yeah, just, um, just thinking too much, thinking too much about, you know, what everybody's saying and, and, and not really playing my game, I guess. Um, I got away from that a little bit, but um, yeah, no, th- this year I'm, I'm back to that mindset and I'm just trying to have a, a steel trap for a mind and, and just, just play my game. That's, that's really all I can do. 
when you look at it now, and I know you said that you're talking to, uh, you know, the coaching staff, obviously in, uh, in in Grand Rapids, and you're talking to the development guys. Um, when you look at this Red Wing schedule, they're only playing 56 games, and obviously the team is struggling. They're struggling mightily as we record this on the power play. Um, I mean, do, do you try not to look too far ahead to Detroit, even though that's where you want to be thinking maybe deep down, God, I, you know, I think I could help the power play. Do you just try to stay in the moment and where you're at, which right at this point is the Grand Rapids? Yeah. I mean, you really can't think about anything else. You know, I, the task in front of me is to, to play well in the AHL and that's what they've asked me to do. So that's what I have to go do. And, and I have to be a hundred percent present and focused on that. Was there ever a moment where, where you felt not disappointed in yourself, but just disappointed about, you know, how it's turned out a little bit, you know, that, you know, when you, when you make the team, you know, obviously you think, okay, I'm going to be a Red Wing for the, you know, the next 30 years or whatever. Uh, and then, and then you're, you know, you have some bumps along the way, or did you know that this was a possibility? Yeah, obviously you knew it could happen. Obviously I didn't want it to happen. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could have you know, just been with the Red Wings the whole time, but you know, it didn't happen that way. And I've, I've gone through some, some trials and tribulations, you know, along the way and, and been through a lot of things and, you know, that's just the way it worked out for me. So I'll just continue to, you know, play well and and play my game. You know, when when things like happen that are maybe more of a a disappointment than, uh, uh, than an exhilarating experience for you, uh, you know, you seem to have the ability of maybe putting it in perspective and maybe being able to walk away and, and do something. And I'm not talking about buying tennis shoes or sneakers, but, you know, just to maybe, <laughs> just maybe to, 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 to cool down. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, when, when something happens, you can't dwell on it. You got to move on and, and move on to the next thing. And, you know, the next thing for me right now is to play well in the AHL. So, um, you know, that's what I'm going to continue doing. And yeah, that's really all you can do. When you meet with these guys and, you know, and, and without giving out, you know, uh, you know, the, the trade secrets or something, do they give you a standard and say, if you hit this, this, and this, or if you do this, you will be up in Detroit do they make not so much a guarantee, but when they're telling you what you need to work on saying, well, you know, if, if, if you work on this, sooner rather than later you'll be back up with the red wings yeah i mean um yeah i mean they they tell me what they want me to work on and and tell me the things that i need to improve on you know in order to play for the red wings so um yeah i figure you know go do those things for a a certain period of time or however long it is and hopefully i can be back up you know whenever that is sooner or later um but yeah, no, they, they tell me the things that I need to work on and they say, you know, go work on these things and, and this is what you need to do to be on the team. So that's what I'm going to go do. Right. So I, I mean, so you, you, even though you, so you don't sit there and sulk and say, Hey, I'm doing all this stuff right now. You know, I mean, everything's going, going well. Oh, I, I guess. So that's where it, that's where you find out, even though you're doing everything they ask, it's really not up to you. Yeah, it's not up to me. At, at the end of the day, it really isn't up to me. Um, all I can do is is control what I can control, and what I can control is the way I play. So um, go out and do what they ask and, and play that way, and hopefully everything works out. Well, you know, obviously you've taken the, the task. Like I said, you know, you already have two goals, uh, a three-assist game winner, uh, five points. You're among the uh, uh, league leaders in scoring for defensemen. How do you think your defensive game is rounding out too? I mean, how how the aspect that you, I guess, have to work out and, and round out, how's that balance coming together? That's coming together well. Uh, I think that's the biggest improvement so far this year for me. I mean, we've only played five games, but through those five games, I felt good in the defensive zone. I feel strong. I feel, feel like I can end plays quicker. So, um yeah, I think I'm doing a good job with that and then, you know, keeping up with my offense at the same time. You know, well, what about physical play? I mean, you know, you don't have to be a behemoth out there and hit everything. Uh, I mean, is that uh, was that something that maybe you had to get used to is the physicality of professional hockey as opposed to the WHL or college? Yeah, I think just learning to use my body more, I guess, is the biggest thing. And, you know, obviously I've been... Um, you know, 
being in the gym and, and being bigger now has helped with that. So I have more confidence going into battles and, uh, you know, knowing that I can come out with the puck using my size. So, um, yeah, I, I think just, just getting used to using my body more was a big thing. When, and yeah, and you've gotten bigger and you've gotten stronger. So yeah, I'm going to ask you then, so during the pandemic, were you working out like a fiend when you weren't shopping for, uh, for sneakers? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Once the pandemic hit, I, I was working out, um, you know, pretty much the whole time. So, and, and shopping for sneakers as well. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into that. Trust me. But, um, <laughs> with, with, with that said, Dennis, I guess what, what, what I'm really curious about and what I've always kind of admired about you on your own dime, basically you have chosen to live in Detroit, even during the off season, even though you're from British Columbia, I've been there, which is one of the most beautiful spots in the entire world. But I mean, is, is the dedication, why did you choose to, to make your home base Michigan and not BC when you could do either one? Um, I got introduced to, to Barwis methods and, and working out there and it was a really big game changer for me. Really. I was a scrawny kid when I first came in and, now I'm much bigger, so and I think that that has in large part has to do with Barwis and you know what I've been doing with them over the past four summers. So, um, yeah, I, I I chose to live out here because of that and because you know I'm around the guys and I'm skating in Detroit and and yeah, I think it's just been really good for me and really good for my development physically. So, was Detroit much of a culture shock for you being from the uh, uh, from Western Canada? No, not really. I think it's it's pretty similar. I mean, I, I, I didn't really experience any of that. No. No. So you weren't, uh, and 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 all your buddies back in BC didn't think you were you were nuts to uh, make home base Detroit. <laughs> no, no, none of them mentioned that. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they do. They didn't mention it to me, but. <laughs> <laughs> so well, how, okay. Well, let's go back to uh, you know 2016 when the Red Wings pick you. How much did you know about Detroit or the area? Not so much the team, but the state of Michigan, where you were going to uh, play your professional career. I hardly knew anything. I mean, I, you know, I know you said not the team, but I knew about the Red Wings and and their history and everything, and loved watching them play. But about Michigan, about Detroit, not much. Yeah, so you don't. Uh... You don't remember like the 2002 playoffs between the Canucks and the Red Wings, or is that, is that, do you kind of, I mean, you were very, very, God, you were young. I mean, when that happened, but I mean, uh, do you have just memories of certain players or certain Red Wing teams or? Um, that's a long way back. The one, <laughs> uh, the one, the one I remember most is um, 2008 when they won the cup then. You know, I remember hearing stories about them playing the Canucks way back when. Right. I, I remember Nick Lidstrom scoring from the red line or something, and our goalie had a hole in his glove or something, something like that. He didn't really, but that's what everybody said. <laughs> right. But um, um, yeah, I kind of remember that. But yeah, my first real big memories were when they won the cup in '08. So. Right. That was uh, 2002. Uh, I know it seems like ancient times for you, but I was actually uh, there. Uh, on the Red Wing radio network at the time. And uh, uh, the Canucks won the first two games in Detroit. The Red Wings were actually booed off the ice at Joe Lewis Arena. Uh, and then uh, Dan Cloutier, the goaltender, uh, gave up a shot that Nick fired at center ice. And that kind of changed the whole complexion of the series. The Red Wings went, went on to win four straight. So I, I'm sure that if I were to bring that up, especially with your dad, uh, that would not be a pleasant memory unfortunately but for me it would be a pleasant memory if i yeah. <laughs> yeah no he i remember he was the one telling me about that and he Cluche has a hole in his glove or something like something like that but right anyway. right. right right but that's either here or there you're not wearing the red and white and uh but but you were a huge connects fan didn't you have season tickets didn't you go to a lot of games yeah i did we had season tickets you know growing up a lot of the years so we kind of alternated my dad went every time, but we, the three of us, my mom, brother, and I alternated who went. So, really, so, uh, so it, it wasn't based on your father didn't, uh, you know, put you and Fred in some sort of academic competition to, for for Canucks tickets. <laughs> you know, 
Behind closed doors, he might have, to be honest. I never saw it, but who knows? <laughs> I, you know, actually, and, and you know, and I, I really, really like your dad a lot. I really admire him. But, uh, yeah, you know what? I would say he probably did, too. But you guys just didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, exactly. You, you know, let me ask you, because Michael Rasmussen and you were from the same area, uh, right around the same age. Did you grow up? kind of together or did you know each other through the hockey circles or did you really kind of form maybe a friendship when you both became Red Wings? Yeah, we didn't, I wouldn't say we knew each other that well. We grew up playing against each other and, you know, saw each other quite a bit. Um, you know, we're from generally the same area. So we, we saw each other, played against each other quite a bit, but, um, you know, really became friends. I think when we both got into the, the Red Wings organization. Really now, like when you were growing up, did you look at him going, "Wow, this is a this guy's a big dork. He's never going to make it." Did you trash talk him <laughs> at all, or, or anything like that? <laughs> no, not really. He he always was uh, he always was a big guy, and you know, obviously he's a big guy now, and and he was just always way taller than everybody, and and super skilled back then as he is now, and and had all the tools. You could see it, you know, right from the beginning that he had all the tools to be a player. So it was pretty cool to watch him you know, grow up playing against them and then, and then watch them dominate juniors. And then now the NHL too. So it's been pretty cool. Right. No, it is. I mean, you know, like both of you guys, you know, that's a, it, it is kind of neat to see, uh, you know, both of you, how you, you both have grown and progressed since uh, you, you were drafted by the Red Wings. When, when you, when you look at it now and you, you know, being living here in Detroit and, and working out and, and perfecting your game, um, I would imagine the next step is getting to that point where you're called up. It seems that there seems to be a group of you, and this is, I have no inside information, but where when Den when you're called up, they want, they're calling you up to stick with the team. I mean, I don't think you're going to be like on the yo-yo between Detroit and Grand Rapids. I mean, I think that that, you know, there's a few of you guys that I think that they, they, they want to keep down there. Do work what you have to work on. Once you reach that point, I think you're up here to stay. But that's just my own assessment. Yeah, I mean that, that's the goal. I mean, you know, if and when I, you know, when I do get called up, you know, hopefully it's to stay for a long time. So you know, that's the plan, and that's what I'm working towards. Now, when you uh, uh, have have you been able to watch many of the Red Wings games? I know you know a bunch of the fellas. Uh, uh, what's your assessment of, of of the team thus far, knowing full well that you know having five regulars taken out by COVID nineteen really impacted their season? Yeah, obviously that 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 impacted the team, and and I think every team is really dealing with that right now, and that's kind of an unknown for everybody. You never know when it could happen. So, um, you know, I think that was big at the start, and um, yeah, I think they have a really talented young team up there and I think it's just a matter of you know finding the chemistry and finding their way really um and you know just getting things turned around you know during during since you have lived here in Detroit um uh what was life like for you during the pandemic just shopping for shoes and uh and, and just working out I mean was it uh I would assume and I hope you know the pandemic even though it's a terrible thing, uh, did it have a, like a profound effect upon you? I know it changed everyone's lifestyle, but everybody's safe, everybody healthy. It, it, it all kind of worked out that way. Yeah, no, it, it all kind of worked out that way. And then obviously I was, you know, working out, you know, getting bigger and stronger. And then once gyms opened back up again and everybody was able to work out together, you know, that was good as well. But um, yeah, quarantine was a, it was an interesting time, that's for sure. I got my girlfriend who moved in with me, and all I need to shop for shoes is my phone. So that that can get pretty dangerous pretty quick. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm going to get into that the very 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 shortly here. Um, you know, you keep you're bigger and stronger. How much bigger are you now? I mean, you uh, is your height relatively about the same, or have you uh, had a experienced a growth spurt as well as a strength spurt? Uh, not really a growth spurt. Um, I mean, I 
if if there was one, it, it would be a miracle. But um, I haven't really, <laughs> I haven't really seen, haven't really seen a super late bloomer growth spurt. But um, yeah, just getting bigger in, in, you know, over the last few years and um, um, at Barwis, and then this year once everything opened back up, being back there again, it's it's gets you in the best shape of your life. So I, I really benefited from that for sure. Well, good. Well, I, I, I'm eager to see you uh, on the ice and play a game, and then I guess I'm eager to see you in your, you know, your favorite pair of uh, uh, of tennis shoes, as I call them, or sneakers, and uh, and you wearing one of those, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, shirts that you can see your muscles bulging out. So, I mean, is it is that a, <laughs> I, I, am I going to see like you know Popeye or somebody walking uh, the next time I see you? You know, just. <laughs> I don't know about that. You'll probably you'll probably see some cool shoes, but I don't know about that. Well, you know, let, let's get into the shoes. Um, you know, again, I mean, I'm part from a generation where they were tennis shoes. You know, that's what I've always called them. I don't know if it's a Michigan thing or whatever. You know, sneakers just sounds weird to me, but then calling pop soda also sounds weird to me. So, uh, you know, maybe it's just my thing, but you are a shoe aficionado now, or sneaker aficionado you're you're a sneakerhead which i did not realize but that is part of today's culture i mean being a sneakerhead is actually something it's just not a term that's used i mean there are sneakerheads i guess across the globe oh for sure they're, they're everywhere um i'm certainly not the only one so um yeah sneakerhead is a i don't know where that term really came from but i'm definitely one of them but in the beginning, it wasn't you that was really the sneaker head, right? You were kind of steered in that direction. I was, yeah. I was really introduced to the sneakers by my girlfriend, Brooke. She wanted a pair of Yeezys, which are Kanye West shoes, and I had no idea what they were. I had no idea what she was talking about. And I looked them up and I always had, I'd always liked shoes, but I had never really gotten into the Jordans and the, the Yeezys and that kind of culture. But um, I looked them up and, and thought they were really cool. And then eventually she, you know, got the pair of Yeezys and then I started doing, you know, research or looking into it or, oh, these are pretty cool. And then kind of just took off from there and created a monster, really. Now, do you, do you collect them? Like a collector, meaning you collect them, but you don't wear them? Or do you collect them to sell them and trade them? Is it a, kind of a like a business? I mean, I, I don't quite understand why somebody would have like 75 pairs of shoes. Because, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, but hey, look, I mean, I have my own things that I collect that people would think were weird, you know, or something. But I mean, I, I, mean, I guess what I'm saying What's the attraction to collecting to becoming a sneakerhead? Um, for me, it's just showing up with a different pair every day and kind of surprising everybody and everybody kind of looking at them going, whoa, what are those? That's really the, the reaction I'm looking for, I guess. Um, uh, but to your question, I, I don't sell them. I haven't gotten into the you know buying and selling sneakers kind of world yet i don't know if i will i might um but i do try to wear all the sneakers that i have so i get them because i like them and because you know i like getting that reaction from people when they see you know a new pair of sneakers every day so yeah. so i so i guess you know now i I've, I've seen you know kicking it with dennis or uh, I guess it was produced. I don't know if Dan Manis or somebody from the Red Wings put it together. It's it's like a 15 minute video where you literally take us into your closet and you're bringing out shoes. Now the one thing that I really noticed right away is that you are a kind of a color aficionado. I mean, you really really like color. For sure. I mean, you got it. It's got to be vibrant, right? You can't you can't just wear black and white all the time. You got to you know have some color in there. And that's really one of the biggest things for me about sneakers is having lots of colors and having all of the colors. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm for sure. I'm not a, not really a basic guy when it comes to shoes. Well, well, when did you and Brooke decide to start painting your own? I mean, is that a thing? Do you just get a pair of white shoes and then just decide to, I don't know, what did you do? Like tie dye a pair and then you sprayed a pair of blue. I mean, how does that all come about? 
Yeah, no, we saw some people doing that online. Um, um, people, you know, spray painting shoes or painting them or whatever the case may be. And there's another one called, it's called hydro dipping is where you have a bucket of water and you spray paint into the water and then you dip the shoes in there. We've tried that too. So yeah, we just saw it online and we're like, you know, this looks kind of fun. You know, we should try this. And that blue pair that we spray painted actually turned out pretty well. Um, got lots of compliments for that one. The other one, we, we tried the hydro dipping it, it. One of the shoes came out really good and the other one was kind of iffy, but I haven't worn those yet. I don't know if I will, but you know, it was an experiment in itself, I guess. All right, I'm, I'm really going to sound like, you know, a really out of touch dude here right now, but if you're painting shoes, is it a special paint so that would allow the paint to breathe? You I mean, you don't want to put anything on, especially on your feet, because your feet, you know, they, they get warm and they sweat. I mean, you know, the you know, you don't want to encapsulate them in something that isn't going to allow the moisture to escape, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's a, I don't, I don't know if it's a special kind of paint, but um, as special as it can be, I guess. I mean, we went to the store and said we're painting a pair of shoes, and they looked at us like they, we were crazy. But um, <laughs> I guess <laughs> gave us the best suggestion they could. So, and it turned out well. So, yeah. Really? So, so, so you have to get paint that breathes. I guess is what I'm saying. You know, this paint yeah. breathes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, when you wore these pair of blue shoes, even though you were getting. Uh, uh, all these compliments, you weren't on the verge of passing out because uh, your your feet were ready to explode in a uh, volcanic heat or anything. <laughs> no, no, they were okay. <laughs> good, good. I, I'm concerned <laughs> about you, Dennis. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, so that so that was fine. Okay, cool. Now another thing that I found interesting, actually, I found the whole piece, and I suggest everybody watch it. Um, is that what is an off-white shoe? Is it just the color is off-white and they put little sayings on it? I wasn't quite sure what what that was all about. Yeah, so off-white's its own little brand, I guess you could call it. Um, well, off-white is a brand. And then um, there was a guy who, you know, partnered with off-white and, and made these off-white shoes and, and, you know, wrote that little you know, piece about off-white on the side of each shoe that he made. And, and the other thing is he put a tag on him too. So he has a, a little red tag or they're all different colors for the different shoes, but he put a tag on the shoe and, and it says, it says off-white on the tag. You'd have to look really close to see what it says, but um, that's kind of the trademark of the shoes, I guess. And some people um, do cut the tags off of their off-white shoes. I personally think that's criminal to do that, but mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what makes it unique. But um, I do get a lot of people that say, hey, you forgot to take the tag off your shoe, and then I have to explain to them why it's on there. But um, yeah, no, that's kind of the, the, the trademark of the off-white shoes, so yeah. Now, now, I was under the impression when I first started watching this uh, on Instagram that Virtually every pair of shoes that you have, or sneakers, or tennis shoes, whatever you want to call them, were all somehow based on Michael Jordan. Everything was a Jordan. Hey, Jordan Duck, you know, he was wearing an orange and a Halloween uniform, orange and black uniform, did a dunk, so they made a shoe about it. I mean, it, it, I mean, how, of all the pairs of uh, uh, sneakers that you have, how many are specifically Jordan, um, Jordan-esque sneakers or whatever? Oh, that's a great question. Um, oh, thinking in my head. Um, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd probably say maybe half. Half of all the shoes I have are Jordans. That's that's definitely my favorite brand, I think, um, and was the one I got into the biggest. But I have lots of other ones. I have off-whites. I have just Nikes, any kind of Nikes. I have Yeezys. I have Adidas shoes. So I have a lot of different ones, but I'd say... Probably Jordan is the one I have the most of. How about the stylish middle-aged man shoe, New Balance? Do you have any of those? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I did. Did, I think. I don't know if I have them anymore. I did have a few pairs of New Balance. Brooke has a couple pairs of those, too. They're actually pretty cool. So Really? All right. Yeah. I always like Asics. Do they, are they a cool shoe? See, now, Asics, was those were the ones I was into big in college. 
but really had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about sneaker culture or anything like that. I really liked ASICs and I thought they were really comfortable and I liked wearing colorful ones and I got made fun of a lot for them. But um, then I, you know, obviously met Brooke and she introduced me to, you know, being a sneakerhead. But yeah, those were the first, ASICs were the first ones that I wore a lot in college, so. Yeah, I, I, I like ASICs. I like ASICs. I, you know, I'm trying to, trying to make myself sound cool here, Dennis. So, uh, you know, and you're working with me, which I appreciate. So, uh, <laughs> now they're all Jordan shoes. Uh, how many pairs do you think you have right now? Um, I would say somewhere around a hundred. Um, I, I, somewhere around there, I think is generally where I am. Out of the hundred pair of shoes, let's just let let's just round it off to a hundred. How many of them have you actually worn? All of them. I've well, no, that's not true. I'd say I've, I think there's maybe only one pair that I haven't worn, but pretty much all of them. Yeah. I are think. those the I'd ones with them, but... with magic and bird's face on them? Yeah, those are the ones I have. Oh, I mean, they're all white, and Brooke got them custom made for me, so I I am terrified to wear those. I, if I get one scuff on them, she'll kill me. But um, no, those those are my my two favorite basketball players, so I, I I'm keeping those on on the shelf for now. You know, well, you know what's interesting about this is you know, like Larry Bird, who was a Celtic, obviously hated here in Detroit. Uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, a bull, you know, you know, from the uh, from the documentary, you could tell he was a real big fan of the Pistons. So he is definitely hated in Detroit. And uh, and then you have a pair of shoes that <laughs> that are black and gold that people think are Pittsburgh Penguin shoes. Obviously, <laughs> Sidney Crosby hated in Detroit. But then it all comes back to Magic Johnson, who is a native son of Michigan. So. You know, there is your saving grace when people look at all your shoes and who you admire and who you like. If magic is the man, then you're good, Dennis. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if I was thinking that at the time, but I'll take it. Yeah, really? No, trust me. You should take it, too. Uh, <laughs> but but with all that said, I guess I, I, I guess my, my, my question is, is that you don't. So you do you wear them once? Now there were a couple times in this in the Instagram thing and kicking with Dennis where you actually bought used shoes. I mean, I, I mean, is that like bowling alley shoes where you know they spray that stuff when you turn them in? I mean, did, did you have to disinfect them because you've actually worn them? Isn't that, for lack of a better term, kind of gross? Um, I guess some people could view it that way. I mean, I. There are, there are sneakers out there that are very expensive. So I, and there's a lot of different websites that you can get them and people have maybe worn them once or twice and the value kind of goes down and you get a really good deal on a pair of shoes that haven't been worn very much. So I, I don't know if I would, I would personally call it gross. I mean, some people might consider it that way, but I mean, at the end of the day, the, the cool shoe is the cool shoe that I've wanted for a long time. So um, if I can get it at a discount, I'll take it. All right. Well, yeah. Well, you're a real shopper. It's I, I know that. But so let me ask you: You get a pair of used shoes. Do you, you know, smell them? Do you spray them? Do you try to <laughs> disinfect them, or do you just I don't care? I'm just putting on a pair of clean socks, and my feet are in them. <laughs> uh, I feel like after a while, if you wear them enough, they kind of become yours. Um, I definitely don't smell them. Uh, that's that's when I first get them. I definitely don't stick my nose in there and smell the shoe. But um, um, yeah, I feel like if if you wear them enough, they become yours. Uh, if I have to, if they do smell or I have to disinfect them, then yeah, I might do that. But um, no, I I don't. The, the the smell is not something that I look for when I first get the shoe. Now, are are you, do you like multicolored shoes or like a two tone? Like like we said, yeah, the orange and black Jordans. Uh, uh, you know, you painted, you spray painted one like uh, it's almost like a Carolina blue. Might be a little bit deeper. It's not Honolulu blue, Lions fans. So don't worry about that. Uh, but <laughs> uh, uh, it, you know, what 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 kind of shoe do you actually or color or style do you prefer? Anything, anything. If I like it, you know, I'll, I'll wear it. Um, whether it's black or white or whether it's heck, I have, I have shoes, some shoes that are, you know, pink and purple. So it's, 
it really just depends on if I like it. And if I like it, then I'll wear it. Pink and purple. Now, I would imagine that uh, I'm sure your shoes, as you've alluded to, are the topic of conversation. Uh, it. What is it like when you walk into the room and you are in, let's say, your you know, painted sh blue shoes? Do people look at you and go, you know, Cholo, you got to, you know, let's sit down, let's talk. <laughs> or, 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 or are they, wow, man, you really outdid yourself this time. Uh, it could go either way. Everybody's kind of different. Um, some guys are, are, you know, really like shoes and are into that kind of thing and, you know, might like them. And then other guys aren't so much and kind of think they look stupid. So it really, I get a, a lot of mixed emotions about them. We'll say that. Really not, but, but, but that's what you want. You are trying to elicit a response from them. Exactly, exactly. Whether it's positive or negative, you know, I like wearing the shoe, so, and I'm, I'm a sneakerhead, so, you know, some guys will like them and, and some might not. Now, when they open the room back up, usually, I actually, all the time now, because I think you need a retina scan to get back to where the players hang now at, uh, at the new locker confines there at Little Caesars Arena, I would never, even when the room gets back, hopefully soon, you know, next year at this time, and you're up in Detroit, and you know I, I'm, we're allowed back into the room. I would never see you in in these shoes at all, would I? No. No, now, you wouldn't. Now, if I walk into the room one day and you're in your stall and you're just kind of sitting there playing that game where that you play, I don't know, like toss the stuff into the laundry bin or whatever the heck it was, um, and I say, Dennis, would you please get dressed? I want to see what you're wearing today. Would you do that? Yeah, I would gladly go back and bring the shoes out and show them for sure. If anybody's at, if anybody asks to see my shoes, I'll show them for sure. Really, you know, this is such a bizarre conversation. I mean, <laughs> but in some way, I'm captivated and really into it. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's next in the shoes for you? What's next? Um, just keep evolving the closet, I guess. Um, I mean, we're running out of space, that's for sure, but, um, I don't really know what's next. You know, I'm always following online what's, what's coming out next, what's dropping, what's, when it comes out, you know, if I want the pair, I'll try to get them when they drop. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of looking out for what's coming out and yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'll see them at the rink someday. So, so I would, I would, <laughs> all right. Now, I, I guess I'm trying to ask you because, you know, the, you know this isn't like a GameStop thing. I don't, I don't want you to, hey, who's next really hot or what can we drive the price up on and then I can sell. Uh, but it's like if Post Malone were to come out with a line of shoes, are, are you, you'd probably have to beat Rass to the front of the line. But, I mean, is, is you know, would you buy a pair of shoes from him? I mean, are you celebrity driven or is it more fashion and style? It's more fashion and style. I mean, if he came out with a shoe and and I liked them, then yeah, I would I would love to get a pair. Of, but I mean, it's not. If I didn't like the pair, then I then I wouldn't get them. So, um, I don't know what kind of shoe he would come out with if he did come out with a shoe. But if I liked them, then yeah, I would get them. All right, let's be honest here, Dennis. Post Malone comes out with a shoe. You absolutely detest it. You do not want it. However, Brooke likes it and thinks you should get a pair. Will you be wearing those shoes? Well, if Brooke likes it and thinks I should get a pair, well, she wouldn't. First of all, she wouldn't think I should get a pair. She thinks she should get a pair. So it wouldn't be me walking around in the Post Malone shoes if I didn't like them. It would be her. So if she likes them, then she'll have the Post Malone shoes. If I like them, then I'll get the Post Malone shoes. But if I don't like them, I'm not going to get them. How about if she wants to have matching shoes with you and they're the Post Malone shoe? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, if I don't like the shoe, I'm, I, we, have, we have pairs of shoes that are matching. She has pairs of Jordans, but... Um, yeah, if, if, yeah, if I don't like the shoe, then sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. So you have to draw the line in the relationship at matching shoes. It's not yeah, going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, we do have pairs of shoes that are matching, but 
you know, we both have to like them to have them matching. So, all right. Well, geez, uh, that, that, that is just what, what a conversation. I think we talked more about shoes than we did about hockey, but, uh, let's wrap, let, let's wrap this up, Dennis. I, we had a few technical problems, so this should have ended long ago. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of curious just at this point, give me a, a best case scenario for you, your expectations about this season and where do you find yourself, or do you look at this year as almost, for lack of a better term, and I don't mean to disparage it or the credibility, almost a throwaway year, and let's see what next year brings. No, I think this year's every year is big, and every game is big. I think just, you know, like we talked about earlier, just go out and, and play my game, really, and just keep playing well and working on the things they want me to work on and, and keep being solid and and keep being offensive and then, you know, hopefully be back in Detroit as soon as possible. That's the plan. Do you keep in contact with some of your teammates, especially like a, a Mo Sider or a Joe Valeno who you've played with last year on the Griffins that, that are playing in Europe, or is there just so much going on right now between, between shoes and hockey for you that, uh, uh, you know, you can't, you can't keep tabs on some of your buddies. Yeah, no, I keep tabs on them. I, I follow to check up how they're doing every once in a while. And, you know, obviously we're all good buddies, so um, probably, you know, talk, haven't talked to them as much as I would like to, but um, I've always, you know, I mean, there's the hockey world is everywhere and it's everywhere online. So I, you know, can kind of see how they're doing and, and try to keep in contact with them. All right, Dennis, here's my last, uh, my last question for you. And this is a big one. Okay. Everything is back to normal, you know. And you know, uh, we we've reached herd immunity or whatever. I whatever everybody thinks normal is, it's back to the way it used to be. Okay, you're sitting at home. You've got your dad, Big John, and Big Fred. They knock on the door and they have a a pair of uh, they have tickets to the uh, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra playing Rachmaninoff, the best of Rachmaninoff. But then you get a knock on the door. And it's your Grand Rapids or Detroit teammates. Actually, it's a collection of all of them. It's the it's Red Wings and Griffins, <laughs> and, 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 and they walk in and they have tickets to Post Malone. Family, the guys. What does Dennis do? <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot here with this one. Oh yeah, I know um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I say Post Malone, Fred and Dad are gonna ostracize me for it but... there's there's no doubt <laughs> but um yeah i'm probably as of now i'm probably more of a post malone fan so i'd i'd probably i'd probably go with the guys to the post malone and you know fred and dad i'm sorry for saying that um i've gone to symphonies with you guys and I really enjoy it, but at this time, I'm going post Malone. <laughs> you go, whoa, whoa, whoa! I hope I'm in the room when that happens because because Rachmaninoff is the favorite family composer. It, he really is. He really is. Um, I've, I've, like I said, I've been to those those symphonies. I've been with them, and and Fred and Dad are really into it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, guys, but. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going Post Malone on that so, one. I mean, you wouldn't go as far as to say, look, Post Malone is coming out with new stuff every day. Rachmaninoff's been dead forever. Nothing new is coming out. I've been there. I've heard it all before. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear it, heard it throughout my childhood every day at the house. So um, <laughs> I know what's going on pretty much at that point. But um, no, I'd probably have to make it up to them at some point. Well, okay. All right. Final question. I know I keep saying this, but this is the final question. Your favorite classical composer. You don't have to say Rachmaninoff. Um, Bach, maybe. Oh, wow. Bach, the har harpsichord music. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't so it's See, not... the, the thing is, the thing is, Art, is I don't want to say the wrong thing and then get in trouble from Fred and Dad. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I'm worried about here. So like if I could if I could ask Fred and Dad their favorites and then say that, then that would be better. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll go maybe Bach, maybe Mozart, um, maybe Rachmaninoff. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard them all. So I, it's it depends on the day, I guess. We'll go with that. Depends on the day. 
Okay, all right. Okay, I accept that answer. See, I like classical music a lot. I know nothing about it. I, you know, you could put on a piece of music. I could not tell you who it is. Maybe a little bit. You know, Beethoven has a distinct sound. Uh, I, I, Mozart is by far my favorite composer. I have to say that. But I really like Bach because I like the the sound the harpsichord makes. So, uh, but classical music is is great stuff. It really is. I'm not I'm not trying to 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 gussy up to your dad and Fred here either. But I mean, but you know, but it, but but it's definitely. Uh, uh, you know, good. I mean, I, I do enjoy it. Uh, I'm not going to say, you know, it, it does it, you know, is Mozart right up there with the Beatles or something? Probably not. But uh, <laughs> no, no, actually, he's, you know, I mean, the kid was a child prodigy. I mean, he was writing uh, symphonies and stuff at like four or whatever. Uh, right. but, but, but anyway, all right. Dennis, I'm going to shut up now because I, I could go on about this for some reason. Now I've got on a, uh, you, 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 but I wish you nothing but success. I want to see you up here in Detroit yesterday. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you back in the red and white real soon. Nothing against GR. I like going down there. It's a great environment to play in, and you're doing a great job with the Griffins. And uh, uh, But uh, continued success. Thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority. Uh, you're always a good sport with me, Dennis. You always put up with me, so I do appreciate that. Uh, but, but best of luck, and uh, we'll see you very, very soon. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Art. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>